welcome to the Grace at Last podcast. Here we hope you find freedom from religion and traditions passed down by man that God never intended for us to struggle with. Let's quit looking around us and begin to look within at God in us and realize all we need is already there. Together, guided by the Holy Spirit, let's learn what God really thinks of us and discover what is pleasing to Him. I think we're going to find out it's a whole lot easier than what we thought. Hi, Corrine here, and welcome to episode 39 of our Grace at Last podcast. In our last episode, episode 38, we talked about righteousness and what makes us right with God. We considered some views that give us the freedom to kind of express who God made us to be and not really give thought to doing things out of duty or obligation. In fact, I heard a message from a well-known preacher the other day that said, we have a Christian obligation, a Christian duty to have our voices heard in the marketplace, in the public square, and in the education system. Well, I think we can be motivated by something much greater than duty or obligation. We can be motivated by love and through the Holy Spirit in us. I can't tell you the freedom that comes from living like that, living from the finished work of Christ and enjoying ministry and outreach so much more with this new covenant mindset. I encourage you to take a closer look at the new covenant if you're not familiar with it and how beautiful it is. Like I said, we're on episode 39, so if you're new, you can go back and listen to the other messages. They're all based from the cross forward when it comes to the covenant that you and I live in. And today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Understanding some of the things the Holy Spirit brings to reality will help us to walk in the truths that he reveals to us. So let's take a closer look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has always been. He has been from the beginning, and He is a part of the Trinity. The word Trinity isn't actually in the Bible, but it can be used to describe a the triune God, the three-part God and three persons, all individual and yet all identical. Each one has a role in the plan of creation and salvation and really in relationships with human beings. And the Holy Spirit was present at creation, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit has no beginning and no end. And in the Old Testament, which is how God related to man through the blood of bulls and goats for the forgiveness of sin, the Holy Spirit would come upon man. And in the nation of Israel, the Holy Spirit would come upon prophets and kings and judges and leaders and direct them in guiding God's people. And the Holy Spirit would come upon them and then depart. And that's why David prayed, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I've heard a current song with those lyrics in it. Crying out to the Lord, begging him, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Well, that made sense for David to say it, but it doesn't make sense for us to say it. Because God's not going to take his Holy Spirit from us. In fact, the new covenant is all about the guarantee that God is in us and he has completely forgiven all of our sin. So singing songs from the book of Psalms is from a completely different mindset than what we would hear from the Apostle Paul. We don't need to sing songs about ushering in the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit does not come and go like he did before he came to dwell in man. 
And if we move from the Old Covenant scriptures into the Gospels, we see that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.18, we read about the birth of Jesus, and it says, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 1.18. And later in Matthew, and in several other verses, we see that the Holy Spirit is what unites us to God and to Jesus. And that's what the word baptized means. It means to be united, immersed, and one with. Never to be separated, but have become united together. Like dipping a white cloth in red dye. They're now a part of the same fabric, and they'll never be separated. And dipped in, immersed, and united, it helps describe what baptized means. And in Matthew 3.11, we read, As for me... I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Matthew 3.11, that is John saying that one coming, the, the Christ coming, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So again, the Holy Spirit identifies us and unites us with Christ. And in Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some really important events happen simultaneously when we believe. Some of them are that we're taken out of Adam and we're placed in Christ. We receive forgiveness of our sins. We're made perfect, which means... We have been made complete, completely purified of our sin, completely forgiven, completely righteous, completely acceptable to God. And we receive the Holy Spirit to dwell in our heart, who is our guarantee of salvation. The Holy Spirit is God's promise, and he's a gift. And he brings power and wisdom and insight and enables us to know God and to know God's voice on the inside. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot know God. Romans 8, 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Again, that's Romans 8, 9. So the Spirit of God unites us to God and to Jesus. And part of his role is to unite us to, to them and to give us the mind of Christ so that we can know God's thoughts. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16 Paul says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Did you hear that? We have been given the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Freely. We can't earn it 
All we can do is receive it. Verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Again, that is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. There are a lot of things in this passage that God uses Paul to say to us. God has given us his spirit so that we can know the things of God and the things that he has freely given us. Isn't that great? Do we hear that? The Holy Spirit wants to reveal the new covenant to us, the things that are freely given. We don't work for them. We don't work to keep them. They are freely given to us. And the Holy Spirit will keep us from being led astray by thinking that we can get into a works-based relationship to be acceptable to God. No, these things are freely given. And a natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit, why they're spiritually discerned. Do you have people in your life without the Holy Spirit that you're trying to get them to understand spiritual things? Well, they can't. It's foolishness to them. And then when we remember that Christ is above all, remembering that we don't instruct the Lord, yet we have the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not dwell in buildings made with human hands. He does not dwell in church buildings. They are not the house of God. And saying things like Holy Spirit really showed up in prayer last night, like, wow. Again, the Holy Spirit does not come and go. He does not dwell in buildings, seminaries, temples, or any other man-made structure. God lives in people, and he does not depart. Again, he does not come and go. He does not show up. 1 Corinthians 6.19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Again, that's 1 Corinthians 6.19. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We were slaves to sin and under the control of Satan, but Christ's sacrifice and life has redeemed us, bought us back. The devil had us for a little while, but Jesus bought us back, and now we belong to God. And never will we be alone or without him. We are his. And Paul gives an interesting perspective on the triune God in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Did you see all three there? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship because the Holy Spirit unites us to God. Jesus came to be one with us. By uniting us with him and the Father through the Holy Spirit living in us. He wants us to know his love and the Father's complete approval because of Christ. And some people think that the Holy Spirit convicts us. And it can be common to hear messages that teach this. But I would be careful if you're hearing this because there's nowhere in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit convicts believers. In fact, it says that Sin has been taken away, not that the Holy Spirit's convicting us of sin. John 1 29, John the Baptist said, when he saw Jesus coming, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's clear that Jesus took away the sin of the world. The blood of bulls and goats covered sin, which is atonement, until Jesus would come, shed his blood, 
and that would take sin away, never to be brought up again. And if God were counting our sins against us, how could he say in Hebrews 10, 15 through 17, that says the Holy Spirit is a witness to God, not remembering our sins any longer. Verse 15 of Hebrews 10, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart and on their mind, I will write them. He then says, verse 17, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Hebrews 10, 15 through 17. So the question is, why would the Holy Spirit convict me of sin if my sin has been removed and God remembers my sin no more? John 16, verse 7 says, I tell you the truth is to your advantage that I'm leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin, because they do not believe in me, Jesus said. So it would be impossible for a God of righteousness to be sin for us and then convict us for what he took away, for what he removed. Hebrews 9.26 says, Otherwise he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has been revealed to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 9.26, he put away sin. And then in Hebrews 10, verse 2, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered, talking about sacrifices under the old covenant, under the law. It says, because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. Hebrews 10, 2. So the worshipers would have no more consciousness of sin. The Holy Spirit is not convicting us. He is leading us into truth. No more consciousness of sin. We are not sin-focused. The Holy Spirit is showing us a path, a, a journey, life's journey. And with him and our free will, we get to live this life on earth out. And we get to have fun. And we get some of it right and some of it wrong. And we learn from it all. And the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what Galatians 5.22 says. And he is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit, he produces the fruit. We bear the fruit. Holy Spirit is not convicting us of sin. The Holy Spirit's our best friend, best preacher, teacher, our comforter. He's our helper, our wisdom, our insight, our revelation, our power. He's the mind of Christ. He's our down payment of salvation the guarantee of heaven. He's our protector and he's so much more. And that's just the beginning. And sometimes we're all about God on the throne and Jesus our savior and pay little attention to the Holy Spirit. But God is on the throne and Jesus is at his right hand. And it is the Holy Spirit that's in us 24 seven, creating that relationship with God through Christ, through the Holy Spirit. So let's not ignore him, but acknowledge him and thank him for who he is. And I hope you join me next week. And until then, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. 
And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Thank you so much for joining us today for our Grace at Last podcast. We hope you learned a truth that will set you free and keep you living in the it is finished promise Jesus declared at the cross. Go to lastministry.org to learn more about who we are and what we're all about as we share this incredible inheritance God has given us in his son. Thank you.